Welcome to the final football Friday edition of Section 247's The Goal Line Stand. All football, all the time. This is the Super Bowl 50 preview show. Coming to you, as always, from the Michaels Glass Company studio. Michaels Glass Company serving the Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978. 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. We have also partnered with Thrive Fantasy Sports. And you know what, Brett? Thrive Fantasy Sports is giving away 30000 guaranteed this weekend on the big game. So there's a bunch of over-under props for the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Use the app, download it, Google Play and Apple. Go on our social media, at GL Stand Show. The link will be there. Download it. It's automatic. It uses our code. It gives you some free cash, and you have the opportunity to win up to 30 k we appreciate Thrive's partnership throughout the season, and it will continue in the offseason as they have a lot of other daily fantasy sports, such as basketball, hockey, and uh, even some gaming, which is interesting. And actually, you know what? We were going to make this just Super Bowl, but we have to lead off with that, talking gaming. I am one of the happiest individuals in the world. EA Sports, and I swear to God, EA Sports, you better not, pardon my language, you better not be fucking around this time. EA Sports all over the internet. EA Sports College Football coming back in a couple years. They are in development, but the huge breaking news, EA Sports is bringing back college football. I'm so excited for this. What are they in development for? So I guess what happened, so here, anyone who doesn't know what happened here, the last EA Sports NCAA football game was NCAA 14. Uh, this is then there was the, the Bannon lawsuit, a lot of different things as far as imagery and and players. And look, we spent hours, days, I mean, literally days. We would get the game, then we would create our own high schools, we would create our own colleges, change every player conceivable in the game to match up with what they were. Uh, so at some point, and I guess rightfully so, college kids were like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm playing as myself in this game. That's me. That's all yeah. my statistics. It looks kind of like me. Granted, I maybe not from I'm not from Poughkeepsie, New York, but that's me because I'm the starting tailback. You know, why am I not getting paid for this? Long story short, there was a lawsuit. EA Sports decided to and 2K and 989 and all those all the different uh, gaming plays and developers said, all right, we're out, we're out of the college game now. There was a couple points where maybe. EA Sports was going to bring back college football. Didn't happen. The latest rumor was about a year ago that the college licensing committee, CLC, was working with EA on developing a new game. And there was a soft launch for it, which makes sense now. Anybody who has played Madden over the past two, three years would notice in the face of the franchise mode, you can go to certain colleges. So yeah. you can play as LSU, I think Alabama, Michigan might have been in it this year. 
Well, what happened was is the, the individual colleges were approached by EA Sports. They said, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Would you like to grant us your, the rights to your imagery? Logos, helmets, all that stuff. Stadiums. They did it. Fast forward to yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. So fast forward to, to Wednesday, and EA Sports officially announces it's bringing back college football. So I guess they got to just fine-tune some of the engines and all that stuff. Now, what are you going to do? You you could simply throw college skins, for lack of better terms of gaming, on Madden and call it a day. Yeah. But they, they can't do that. There's a group of guys, and I'd love to get them on this show. I've tried finding out who they are, yeah. who have created. It's called College Football Revamp. And I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to get it on my Xbox. Uh, I'm looking at it. 360, maybe? For NCAA 14. So what it yeah. is is a patch and a mod and I'm getting technical into the video game stuff that I don't know a lot about, but they take the NCAA 14 game and upgrade it. I mean, it is just simply amazing. Everything. The team develops a new uniform. Two weeks later, it's in the game. No pun intended. So EA sports has to live up to the expectation set by these guys. Or they should just hire them. Well, and that's what I think they should do too. I think these guys have really laid the groundwork to to just say, bring you, 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 how much? Come on down. Well, isn't it also these guys have literally assigned, hypothetically, let's say there's 12 of them. Each one is assigned a conference or a division within a conference, and they literally scout the players to update the rankings and they scout the high school kids so that they can assign them rankings when they're coming in as freshmen. I, yeah, it they, is like a full time job for these people. They really and and that's the thing. And they're just they're just a bunch of fans. They're they're a bunch yeah. of fans who missed playing the game. There is an online community. I I still play it. I yeah. still play NCAA fourteen. There is this whole online community of gamers who still play the game, and they just decided, you know what, we're going to make it awesome we're gonna make it new trevor lawrence is on the quote-unquote cover uh yeah all, all those guys love it I, I think it was joe burrow had a tweet all pissed off yesterday he's like i waited my whole life yeah. just to be on the cover of that game and now you're gonna bring it back and i'm not gonna be there i i, I laugh but there's it, it's fun it's gonna be interesting to see what happens here see what i would do for the first cover is I would put all the guys you would have put on 20 NCAA football 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. You get what I'm saying? So I, w- I would literally put like seven guys. So you'd probably have Johnny Manziel, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. That's what I would I would so to, to pay homage to the fact that there was a break. And so you, it's not just one guy. That's what I would do. I, I agree with you. I think that would be a, a way to go about it. So the ESPN has been covering this uh, pretty pretty well. And a lot of different things. Some of the gaming sites have been covering it as well. The EA Sports is working with the CLC and Notre Dame because they're separate because they're Notre Dame on, yeah. license, on licensures. Uh, the game title is different. It's going to be EA Sports College Football versus NCAA Football. So they're, they're, they said, EA Sports said, we're going to focus on the collegiate playoff. We're going to really make this our own game. If they cannot get people to sign off on image likenesses, 
they will just create randomized players. The game is yeah. coming out regardless, according to EA Sports. They said that before, so I, I think it, yeah, it's a wait and see. But they are dead set on putting this game out. They have to. The college football revamp has completely changed it. You have people yeah. paying $300 yeah. for for a, an Xbox 360, just the game. And then they're yeah. like, oh, I don't even have an Xbox or I don't have a PlayStation. And it's not reverse compatible. Like I have a PS4. I can't yeah. go get the PS3 NCAA. No, I got to go get the PS3. It's, yeah. really, it's really wild. The I also hope that they do some... I would love if they also did every FCS team, which they won't do, but that would be well, great. And I think what you're going to see happen here is, and this was the conversation that came up almost immediately, and we could do a whole episode on this, but what I'm do you sure. want to see in, in the next game? And people said that, and I think what you're going to have happen, take Deion Sanders, right, Jackson State. What's yeah. going to happen is certain schools or conferences – uh, the the SWAC, uh, the who else is out there? The uh, Colonial, uh, what, what what's yeah? C C A A, the Colonial Athletic Association. Uh, I was going to yeah, say the A ten, but they're gone. Uh, you're going to have all these different, the Big Sky. All those guys are going to say, yeah, you can take our teams. Like if you're North Dakota State or Montana, why don't you want to be in the game? You want to be in the game. Well, am I right? From what I remember, the HBCUs were in the in the game. I think up until like 20, uh, 2008, 2009, yeah. somewhere. Because you could always play as like Delaware State, Morgan State, right. Norfolk State, Hampton, Howard. Yeah. So, right. And then at some point, the Ivies were in there. Yes, early. the Ivies were in there. But the, the, uh, the stadiums weren't. The stadiums weren't, exactly. It was just like a generic looking stadium. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be interesting. You can't not. I People crap on that. And I just played Madden for the first time in, I, I want to say, since 2013 when NCAA football went away. You know, I yeah. had no reason to, to play Madden anymore because you'd transition from one game to the other. And I think Madden's okay. I think the graphics are fantastic. Yeah. That's what they, ha that's what they have to live up to. So this will be but, an ongoing thing. It'll be fun. Yeah. College, college football, I, I agree. But if they do FCS, they have to do those stadiums because it's another thing that we're going to get to in the offseason Pound for pound, like the Ivy League has some of the best stadiums in college football. So, um, you know, and yeah, either way, it's exciting. I'm glad it's back. I'm, I'm also very happy for you because I know how big a deal it is for you. I will wait in a line, <laughs> even though you don't have to anymore. We've done that before. Yes, because you can just download it. I told my kids yesterday, I'm like, NCAA football is coming back. They're like, okay. I'm like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> like, can we play it with you? I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm in a triple option. You get a death. Wait till you see what happens. It's going to be great. Yeah. 100, 106 to two. And the two is going to be me giving them two points so I don't have to hear about it. But anyway, that's not, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we're, we're here to talk Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50 coming up in Raymond James Stadium. 55. 55. Sorry. 50. Yeah, that was no. a couple years ago. Super Bowl 55, Raymond James Stadium. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First time ever a team is playing in their own stadium, and they're not allowed to fire the cannons. Because they're the away team. They right? are the away team. I think it's just – I guess they are. I think they are technically the away team. Yeah. But also I have, a, I have an alternate theory as to why they can't fire the cannons. What is that? The weekend. The halftime show. 
the guy's gonna the guy's gonna use the ship. That's my that's my my opinion on it. The weekend is uh. the halftime show. He has apparently spent over seven million dollars of his own money for this halftime show. He he saw whatever Pepsi and whoever had planned and was like, now nah, I'm gonna do something different. He's gonna use the ship. So they can't they can't allow it to, to be used. There you go. I was I mean that that's a very good theory. I but to me, I would just keep it if I was the NFL, you're the away team. You can't use all the accoutrements of your own stadium. You're you're the away. So I got the interesting thing is I wonder will they be dressing in their own locker room? I would imagine so, and I, I would think simply for COVID COVID reasons, they don't have to do anything there, right? It's done and over with. In it's a non-COVID world, I would make them dress in the away locker room. Interesting, you know. I never really thought about it that way. Now, I, I the last team that came even this close was was the Vikings. Yeah, three seasons ago when they they lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, and the Eagles went on to win Super Bowl Fifty Two. But they were the home team. They would they would have been the home team. Yeah. So I think that they would have stayed in their locker room. I remember that's what the league talked about at the time. Yeah. Here's here's the interesting thing here, like. Not no no offense to Tampa, and actually they're great sports fans for hockey. I mean, I, I've talked about this, and I know the Bucks have a loyal fan base, but this isn't like the Giants or the Eagles going and playing in their home stadium, where you know that every Giants fan would just buy all the tickets and make it a true home game. This is yeah, this, yeah it's on their field, but it's not a home game. Well, first you have COVID, so that's cutting down, you know, the the attendance by 60-70%. But yeah, I mean, come on, think about go back to, I don't know, 5-6 years ago when Tampa was really one of the worst teams in the league before they got Jameis Winston, they were drawing like 30,000 people a game. So, I'm I'm not here to shit on Tampa fans. Look, I wish you guys the best of luck Sunday. We're going to talk about the game in a second, but yeah, it's just, it's not one of the, when you think about diehard fan bases, it's not one of the franchises that you first think of. Maybe, frankly, you'd probably list them last, but you know, whatever, like it, look for the Tampa fans out there, including uh Burke Kreischer, you know, they're, they're excited. So it's, it is unique. It's, it's just, I guess it's also strange because it's, such a weird year, and then it's also weird to see the field because you have the Bucks on one side, and there's the Kansas City Chiefs end zone. Um, so the one thing I do like is they did go separate colors for the end zones. Sometimes they always will keep the same color, but just use the lettering in the coloring of the home team or of their respective teams. They did the actual like there's a yellow end zone, and then there's a red end zone, which I like. Well, I, I think they also, but they've the design has been the same for the past couple of years. I know that. Only looking back to look, I, the Eagles were in it not too long ago, yeah. and that was one of the things I was really excited about. Oh, what are they going to do with the end zone? Because I'm an idiot like that, and this is the stuff that that I like. Uh, I wanted them to do silver or something like that. And they didn't do it or black. And I think the NFL end zones and the field design for the Super Bowl completely sucks. And it goes, but it's, it's just, it's generic. It's, exactly. It's a generic thing. It's like I'm playing Madden and I've advanced three seasons and there's no logo for the game. So they just, you know, for the Super Bowl game. So they just put something there. 
They got to bring back the specific logo for the town. There's a cool one for Tampa. We'll share it they, on social. At they should put whatever is normally for that team's end zone in the end zone for the Super Bowl. I, I agree with you. It's uh, the same reason that they, I mean, I, for most, I'm sure they did for the Eagles game. I know I've seen YouTube videos of the, the you know, the Giants Super Bowls where, you know, they brought in, they would pipe in the when the Giants scored a touchdown, they played New York Groove, which is the song that you play by Kiss. That's the song that they play. So if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you just do the end zone? It makes it look distinct. I agree with you. Let's get to the game now itself. Tampa Bay is a three-point favorite over Kansas City. Interesting. Now, that 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 is interesting. Over under of 56, 14, uh, uh, four, uh, 14 and 2 Kansas City, 11 and 5 Tampa Bay. Forecast right now calling for 74 degrees and rain, mm. which it, it, interesting here. I think there's the store, a couple stories we have to look at before we get into individual matchups. One is COVID issues. We're at the end of the season. It's been okay to this point, Super Bowl week, minus the haircutting incident. That could have been a disaster. Huge disaster. For those who don't know, <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, sm smart, hired, a, hired a, uh, a, a barber to come in and give the team haircuts. I think 20 Chiefs were booked for this guy. And one of them was Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it was like key guys. Yeah. And mid-haircut, they get a note that this guy tests positive for COVID. This could have been an absolute disaster of epic proportions for the National Football League. They've gone through their tracing and everything, and I, I guess it's okay. But wow. Well, why? So you schedule a barber, and I know apparently the like literally he was mid haircut when they found out that he would tested positive. And they pulled him out. Why wouldn't you just wait until you get the results before giving everyone haircuts? I don't understand that. Uh, if you identified this guy early on, and he's he, he's yeah. plan. If you identified a month ago, we're going to bring in Joe, who does haircuts. We're hey Joe, listen, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. We need you to quarantine for two weeks beforehand. Well, I, I, I clients. All right. Well, we'll make up the difference to you. Right. We'll give you a little bit more. You can't yeah. go anywhere. We're going to have team surveillance on you because they do that, you know, right? I mean, we go back to week one, preseason, when we talk about the Seahawks and yeah. the dude sneaking his chicken dressed as a coach. The teams know these things. So yeah. you have that guy set aside. You don't have this issue. Uh, for the NFL now to say, it's okay, everybody's good. Uh, really? Again, I just go, you know, I agree. That's a really good, I mean, that's, the most thorough way to do it. But all you had to do was say, go take a test. We're not letting you in the building till you go take a test and then quarantine for a day or whatever. We're not going to let you in the building until we find out the result. I don't know why they didn't do that. I mean, like they literally, okay. they pulled the guy mid haircut. And I forget. Very who, strange. I forget. Who, Daniel Kilgore. This, I think it was the, uh, who's one of the, the O linemen. But was he? I, I saw the picture where he had a half shaved. Yeah. Obviously, he was just joking. I don't think it was him, right? They haven't identified no. who it was. 
Well, no, it was him that was oh, really? the one that, where they pulled a minute, but I don't think that's his real haircut. No, no, I know that. I didn't know if that, if he, it, wow. That's, I look, so there, that parlays into the next thing. This could have been an epic disaster for the Chiefs. The Chiefs already have an offensive line issue. You know, they lose. Yeah. It, 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 they're, they're just a mess right here. They have injuries galore. They are just, they're shifting guys all over. Stefan Wisniewski is starting in the Super Bowl. Eric Fisher. As is Mike Remmers. Right. You know, you know, Eric it, Fisher yeah. blows his Achilles. I, I, this is this is just this is crazy. I, I mean, Kansas City has really sh- has shifted the whole right side of their line. It's a completely yeah. new right side of their line. That's going to hurt them in this it's, game. It, it is a serious issue. Um, if there's a team that can you know overcome it, I believe it is the Chiefs. But and to you know, you got to credit the front office because I mean a lot of most of these guys have been playing at some point during the season. And for the most part, obviously the team has done okay, more, more than okay, considering look where look at their record, look where they are. But you know, when we're getting to talk about the matchups, it it is really a problem, particularly those two tackles who are gonna have to face Shaq Barrett and JPP and you know, someone who, you know, I, I followed JPP's career very closely as a Giants fan. I can tell you he's playing some of his best football of his career right now. So, and that's going to be one of the key ingredients for the Bucks to stop the Chiefs. So let's let's start there as we break this down. It all starts and it all ends with the offensive line as we have and defensive line as we have discussed all year long. Kansas City Chiefs were the sixth overall offense in the NFL this season. The Tampa Bay defense has played extremely, extremely well. I mean, at what point here do you say this is a problem? With respect to the offensive line. Correct. Right. So, yeah, it is definitely a problem. You know, the thing is it's – Tampa is the eighth overall defense in the league. Yeah. Look, I I think it it definitely – this is definitely going to play into Tampa's hands. Um I think the question is, how do you really stop Kansas City's offense? Now, go back to last year's Super Bowl. You know, for I would say for a large majority of that game, Patrick Mahomes was rattled. And that San Francisco pass rush, which I also will make, I would argue is better than this year's Tampa pass rush. They were getting, they were getting home and they were, you know, they were hitting. Uh, Mahomes, but in the end of the day, think about that famous Wasp play where he hit Tyreek Hill. All Mahomes is asked to do is just keep backing up. It's like the Tecmo Bowl game, and he just chucks it 50 yards and people are open. So, you know, it's funny. I was watching um, Super Bowl 25, New York Giants against the Buffalo Bills, and part of me thinks maybe there's some nuanced way for the Bucks to – employ one of those styles of defense, which is, look, maybe it's not getting after Mahomes. Maybe it's, look, just rushing two guys and sitting back and, you know, making uh, Kansas City have to earn it, you know, only a few yards at a time and not getting giving up the big play. Think about it. They played earlier in the season. Tyreek Hill had 10 catches for 255 yards 
and three touchdowns. Whereas if you if they have to, if Kansas City is forced to, as Hank Stram would put it, slowly matriculate the ball down the field, I think that plays into Tampa Bay's favor because it's uh, clock control. You don't want to. You can. I don't believe Tampa can beat Kansas City in you know an absolute scoring uh, battle. You know, forty-two thirty-eight. I think it has to be more low scoring for Tampa to win. So I wonder if you employ something where, like, look, let Shaq Barrett and JPP try to get after him. Otherwise, and put Vita Vea, who was back in the middle. Otherwise, be like, look, you're going to need Kansas City to run the ball for over 100 yards to win. One of those things. Like, you're you're literally giving up the run in order to, you know, slow down that passing game. I wonder if there's – to me, I think that might be the best way to do it. No, yeah, it makes sense. And at that point, now you're forcing Kansas City to run the ball, which, yeah. you know, they've, they were okay this year, but they weren't exactly this. And, and again, we're talking a, complete, a completely different line. Exactly. So, you're, you're now doing it with a makeshift line. So, and it, it, it takes longer to score that way. Right. So, any stat that I'm going to give you on the offense it is really irrelevant because this is game zero. This is game one for, yeah. for what you're seeing here for, from this offense. If we're going to grade it out here, Kansas City offensive line as structured versus the Tampa Bay defensive line front four, that's advantage. That's advantage Tampa. That's absolutely advantage Tampa. Uh, 100%. You know, the other, so one of the things that I think offsets it just slightly. And this is something we talked about last week when I was I was saying sort of negative against Leslie Frazier. Tony Romo kept saying one of the keys to stopping Travis Kelsey, you got to, um, you have to emphasize hitting him off the line of scrimmage. So that means if either Shaq Barrett or JPP is lined up over Kelsey, you can't just go around him to try to get to the quarterback. You have to hit him and disrupt him. But by doing that, it does disrupt their pass rush. So Kelsey is sort of a saving grace to a certain extent. If in fact, you're going to devote energies to disrupting him off the line. So it does help the offensive line a little bit, you know, the, and so, but again, yeah, I would definitely still give the edge O, o line versus D line in that matchup. I give the edge to Tampa Bay. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you mentioned jamming the tight ends, beating up the tight ends. I think you got to look at what, what's worked in the past against uh, it's particularly like a Tom Brady team, right? That uh, is a yeah. giants giants twice Eagles once. What they, what did they do in those games? They neutralized the few weapons that Tampa had or new England, excuse me. Yeah. Had jamming, jamming Rob Gronkowski. I, I think of Rob Gronkowski in super bowl 52. Yeah. He got his in the second half, but the Eagles had a game plan to make sure that he wasn't going to kill them. That's yeah. kind of where that's kind of where Todd Bowles, that's kind of what he has to do here in order for the for her new for uh Tampa to have any chance at slowing down that monster because that's really the, the key weapon. I, I know that you got Tyreek Hill, you got all these guys. If you can shut down Travis Kelsey, you, you got to step in the right direction. Yeah, I you know, I we you know, it's again something we talked about a little bit last week, but it's really it's pick your poison. It's do you want the quick death or the slow death? Travis Kelsey really does make it all work because he just opens up the middle of the field for, for that team 
it's so tough because if if you're going to really lock down on Kelsey, you might be giving up Tyreek Hill. But as you mentioned, it might be raining. If there's one player I think that hurts, I think that's Tyreek Hill. Because also remember, this is a, a grass field. So that will definitely slow down Tyreek Hill, which I think will be a huge benefit to Tampa Bay. You know, when you talk about the linebackers and the running, you know, so if you talk about the Tampa Bay linebackers, I don't know if you necessarily match them up with the Kansas City running backs. But one thing I do like about Tampa's defense is they have two incredibly athletic linebackers, and that will help in terms of covering Kelsey. Name, uh, you know, with Devin White and uh, Levante David. These guys, you know, are three down linebackers who can just roam the field. So I, I definitely think that will help. But it, it's just, I mean, look, uh, Kelsey is a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. And you did mention the weather again. And I and the home field advantage for Tampa. I think this is where it might come into play a little bit. They know the field a little bit better than Kansas City. And people are like, well, it's, it's just a field. And, yeah. You know, this is where we know – for the Buccaneers, all right, it's going to be this kind of rain. We know we're going to start out with the three-quarter inch spike because yeah. it plays better on this field. We 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 know that because we've been here. You're not going to let Kansas City know that, so it's a little bit of that gamesmanship. But off uh, wide receivers for Kansas City, we mentioned it. You know, Ty- Tyree Kill. They have some weapons out there. How do you feel as though they match up with the secondary? So this is where I would probably give the edge to the Kansas City receivers. I think this is the the defensive backfield is, to me, the clear weakness of Tampa Bay's defense. Uh, I think that they have played above their potential so far in the postseason part of the reason they're you know currently you know in the Super Bowl but I still think that it's definitely their weak spot uh also they're a little banged up the, I think their best player is actually a rookie Antoine Winfield Jr who I don't even know if he's going to play so I, I think that's definitely the area where you have to worry which is if you're going to go traditional defense and you're going to rely upon your pass rush to get home if they don't get home Tyreek Hill, I think, is going to have a day, as he already demonstrated he could. You know, I, and I, I even go back to when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the Giants. Now, Daniel Jones probably had his worst game of the season, but the Giants receivers abused Jamel Dean, abused him on double moves and things of that nature. And if the Giants receivers, who that's probably one of the crappiest wide receiver units in the league, can have that kind of success. What is Tyreek Hill, Mikol Hardman, and all those guys? What are they going to do? That that would definitely scare me as a Tampa Bay fan. I definitely would. You know, what would not scare me is the Tampa Bay running game. Uh, as we have touched on, it, it'll be key for Tampa uh, – excuse me, not Tampa, Kansas City. It would yeah. be huge for Tampa Bay to force the run game to be a factor. Weather might do that as well. And when I mean run game, I'm not talking Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> That's going to obviously happen last game of the year. Yeah. He's going to do what he needs to do. We'll get to him in a second. But this run game from from uh, Kansas City, they're 16th in the league, non-existent. Well, like Sean McCoy going to, you know, I think he's going to be active. Edwards Hilaire is still banged up. They are what they are. 
Yeah, you know, it really it's 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 about uh, Edwards Lair and, and Damian Williams. Damian Williams being really the guy who sort of he's more of the uh, pounded up inside Edwards Lair, and, and also they have Le'Veon Bell, who I think is banged up. You know, the thing is, it's how effective are they in the pass game, also in the pass blocking. It, the Kansas City run game, uh, to me, I don't think they're going to be the reason Kansas City wins one way or not or loses. It's just sort of there. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see does Tampa Bay employ some kind of a defense where they sort of concede the run a little bit, which, um, you know, it, it might be worthwhile to do because in doing so, it'll kill the clock, which I think is a benefit Tampa. By the way, before we go any further, I think we should mention, uh, speaking of Todd Bowles, uh, congratulations to the Bowles family, and particularly Todd Bowles' son, who made the wise decision to walk on to Rutgers University to play football. Yes, congrats to him. I, I saw yes. that, and that is we, it's something we will talk about on Night Talk when we wrap up the season. Let's go to the, to the guy, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, this. I, I so I was watching highlights of him. Just I was watching NFL Network, and they they had stuff on. And man, I just like when you say generational talent. If he can stay healthy for the next ten years, wow, yeah. I mean, wow. So you're you're <laughs> you're Tampa. What can you what can you do here? I well, mean, that's what. But what do you do? Well, so you you know it's it's interesting. You go to we we talked about the offensive line being this sort of you know patchwork unit. If there's a quarterback that can handle that, you might argue a Lamar Jackson because of the speed and the ability to go scramble. But I would argue Patrick Mahomes, who is we we've seen is athletic enough to at least uh, you know avoid the an, an initial rush. But then because of his arm, he has the <clears throat> the ability to improvise and to throw off schedule various ways. I mean, he literally does no look passes and throw off the rough, the wrong foot can throw off balance 50 to 60 yards on a rope. So that's where he can really I think he helps compensate for that offensive line being as weak as it is in its current state, because he really, as you mentioned, he's a generational talent. If he does stay healthy, you know, he's already. Yeah, this is his, what is this? This is his th- uh, fourth year in the league, third year as a full-time starter, and this will be his second straight Super Bowl. If he's healthy for another 10 years, he should be in at least five more Super Bowls. And that's, you know, conservative. So that's just how good he is. So, you know, and, and also I don't worry about him in a uh, rain game. Maybe the receiver is tough to catch the ball, but I don't worry about Mahomes. So when Kansas City has the ball, the X factors are for the Chiefs, we know them, right? Travis Kelsey, yeah. the wide receivers, Patrick Mahomes. We kind of went over it here. The, the the thought process is force them to run the ball. That's how the Buccaneers are going to have to win this game is force force the run. Yeah, look, I think it's force the run. I don't want to sound like a dirty I don't want to. I don't want to sound like uh, what's his name, uh, Robinson, or not the, the 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 former Saints defensive coordinator who got fired with the Jets. 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Greg Williams. Greg right? Williams, no, thank you, not Robinson. Yeah, you got it. Greg Williams, forgive me. Um, but, you know, there was potentially a concussion issue with Mahomes a few weeks ago. And if you knock him around, perhaps you knock him out of the game. And he does have a turf toe issue. So there is that. Um, I, But, again, I go back to San Francisco was effective with that last year, and it still didn't matter. They had them up. They were up 10 points with 10 minutes to go, and can't, and they still figured it out. So, And I don't think Tampa's pass rush, though good, is as good as last year's San Francisco pass rush. So there's that. Let's go to the other side of the ball. So when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the football, talk about wide receiving core. Looking back on this team, there was a point where they were not playing well and they were not gelling the way a lot of people thought they were. Tom Brady, obviously a quarterback, he went there for this. He brought Rob Gronkowski in for this to get to the Super Bowl. And there was a point there where it wasn't looking very good for, for the Buccaneers. Man, they've put it together, and I, they're hot at the right time, obviously. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it, it takes it takes talent to do that, and they have that with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, if Antonio Brown is healthy. Scotty Miller has turned out to be an invaluable piece. They have Gronk, who, you know, really more than everything, even during his heyday and the prime of Gronk, I, I think what was overlooked with him was his blocking ability. He was, the, to me, the last great blocking tight end, you know, even more so than, say, like Jason Witten. Gronk, it's like having another tackle out there. You have Cameron Bray, who's a really good receiving tight end. So they have all these pieces, and I think they were finally able to sort of mesh, and I think Brady was able to powwow with um, Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians and sort of remove what didn't work and focus on what did work. So – you know, the passing game, is they, they are hitting all strides right now. And the other thing is you saw throughout the tail end of the season improved offensive line play. That's yeah. the other thing. It really gave Brady more time. When I look up the offensive stats, they're number three overall offense, number two in the passing game. And then their yeah. run game it started to creep in. And that's yeah. it, 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 it surprised me a little bit because, you know, yeah. I had Mike Evans for fantasy, so I knew what he was doing all season long. Yeah. But it's like, okay, they're not setting the world on fire, so to speak, here. Then you look at the statistics, and you're like, oh, my Jesus, Lord. Like, look at this. Well, because he was also spreading it around, too. You know, think about um, the year before with the Saints passing game. I mean, it was impressive, but it was all – I mean, Michael Thomas had broke the record. What, did he have like 145 catches? So it was literally all to one guy. Where you know Brady was spreading the wealth around, but the run game also then opened up the play action pass game, which they've really been very good with, and that have, that's been helpful. They have been very good with it. Let's let's start here. So offensive line, defensive line, where are you giving the edge here? Oof. Am I allowed to say push, or do I have to give a definitive? No, look, th this is football. So th there are times where you're looking at two units and you say, wow, that's a really even matchup. Like, I, I don't know. It could go either way. That That's sort of the way I, I look at this. I, I I look at Tampa Bay. It's an improving offensive line. There's some talent. Ali Marpet, uh, Hobart's finest, is very good guard. 
Tristan Wirfs, I really wish that. <laughs> I, I know I love Jedrick Wills, and I thought he had a good season as well. But, man, Tristan Wirfs was basically, as a rookie, playing at an all-pro level. Donovan Smith has, has stepped up his game. It's a you know, Ryan Jensen is turning into one of the best centers in the league. But that Kansas City defensive line, you know, uh, Steve Spagnuolo has them playing at uh, – he's getting the most out of that unit, right? Frank Clark, very good player. Derek Noddy, Kalen Saunders, Tano Passigno from uh, Villanova. So it's, it's a really – it's a good unit. They're not – I wouldn't call them – I think Tampa's defensive line has – better pass rushing capabilities than Kansas City's, but I'd also say Kansas City just very well-rounded, good against the run, good against the pass. So I'm going to give it a, a push for that matchup, Kansas City, D-line, Tampa O-line. You mentioned Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait. It's a really good combination there, the tight ends for Tom Brady. And nor Tom Brady, likes he has his guys, Gronkowski being one of them. He's older. He's every time he touches the football and he's on that field, my body aches just yeah. looking at him. But yeah, they could be a weapon and where grade them out versus whatever what Kansas City's defense has is are they going to be able, Kansas City, be able to neutralize this crew of tight ends? Uh, I think that they should. You, you have Anthony Hitchens, the linebacker for Kansas City, but I think you know the other great neutralizer, uh, that Kansas City has, and probably their, their most dynamic. Defender in total is Tyron Matthew, who is really a jack of all trades. And you have a guy like Steve Spagnolo, who really he's one of those mad scientists who's been able to use Tyron Matthew in so many different ways. Tyron Matthew really, I mean, he's a benefit against the run. He's a benefit against the pass, whether it's wide receivers or tight ends or running backs. So it's amazing, you know, when we're talking about different matchups, literally Tyron Matthew is a factor in each of those matchups. So even, you know, like you talk about D-line and O-line, well, Tyron Matthews is going to come down the box and stop the run. And then he's going to blitz and interrupt the pass. Or he's also equally adept as a pass uh, in, in, in terms of pass coverage. So it's really, you know, he really is the X factor for that defense. And, and you know, I think the thing was when Spagnuolo first got there, Spagnuolo is known for, for employing a very – intricate defensive concepts and it takes a little while for defense to figure it out they're now in year two of spags so now they're really hitting on all cylinders with respect to what he wants them to do on the field and with tyron matthew he just lets them loose and you know it's really interesting to watch him see it's funny you say it's interesting and spags obviously was a giants coach for a long time he was a long time eagles assistant under andy Reid. i watched the kansas city defense and i'm like I've seen this somewhere before, you know, yeah. where you have a, 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 a Hall of Fame level safety, a guy that can make plays, and I've seen it happen and how it works, and it, it, it's fun to watch. Let's go out to the outside before we get to the run game. Uh, wide receivers, uh, really, you know what, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, like I said, looking at the stats and kind of going over things, man, they are some weapons. Tom Brady never had those weapons, and he, look what he was able to do. And now what does he have uh, other than Randy Moss? The one yeah, year, right? I, I would say in 07 when he had Randy Moss, Dante right. Stallworth, Wes Welker. Right, but once. That's one time. Yeah. I, I always liked Dante Stallworth, under, underappreciated. Uh, always came up big plays. And you know what? He did some stupid shit in his uh, personal life, I think. I was going to say, like, I think he killed someone. Yeah, he did. He, he did. And 
It was vehicular. It wasn't a homicide. Yeah, no. Well, it was. I think I. It may have very well been drunk driving too. I think. Yeah. I, I could be speaking out of line. I don't know. So don't. Quote me. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, but uh, this is the greatest wide receiving core that Tom Brady's ever had. True or false? I I go false because I I would take the 07 team over this. Um, Fair enough. I, I I mean that was that was Randy Moss doing Randy Randy Moss things. Probably the peak of Wes Welker. Uh, yeah. Actually, no, because you probably would argue that Wes Welker's peak was with Denver when Peyton Manning went crazy and, and broke all those records. So, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, they, they literally was that year they traded for Wes Welker, and this was the, you know, this was the 17-1 and Patriots. Um, I would argue that that was a better receiving core. Um, I guess one of the interesting things is, would you say which which team had a better tight end group? Uh, is this uh, Brady's best ever tight end group? But I think you'd make the argument the 2011 and 2012 Patriots when they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Um, I think if you actually that's a better group, but yeah, man, it, never mind. We're gonna make a bad joke about the, the Patriots. I'm just gonna leave it big. So, but we're going to the outside. I who has the advantage here? The wide receiving core for. Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the defensive backs for Kansas City. So I like the Kansas City defensive backs. I think it's a steady as she goes unit. But having said that, I mean, that Tampa Bay, it is a very good unit. It's one of the best units in the NFL. Mike Evans has perennially been a top receiver. Chris Godwin is is up and down, but I think when he's on, he's a really good receiver. I think think he's actually going to get drastically overpaid this offseason as a free agent. Scotty Miller's good. Antonio Brown is not what he was. I mean, if you had Antonio Brown at the height of his capabilities, uh, this would be, then I would say this is better than 07 for Brady, but it's not. Uh, so, but I, I would give the edge to Tampa's uh, wide receiver group over Kansas City's D backs. Let's go to the defense, let's go to the backfield the run game for the Buccaneers, you know, 28th in the league rushing the ball, which I found odd too, considering they're the number three offense in the league. That tells you how much they were chucking the ball around. They seem to be having more success running the ball. And I I, I guess it's just, it's shifted throughout the course of the year. Yeah. Well, you saw the offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, and I think that, look, it's like everything else. Um, they, they added a lot of new pieces. And what happens is it takes time for a coaching. And think about it. Th- th- this team also did not have, just like everyone else, but, the, you know, the Bucks did not have the benefit of a preseason. So it took them a while to understand, okay, well, look, this is what Ronald Jones is good at. This is what Leonard Fournette is good at. And, frankly, I would say it was probably good that Fournette had a reduced workload in the regular season because he really looks like he's fresh right now and he's on all cylinders. So I, I, I do, I, it, it, you know, in the running game, when you, particularly when you have Brady and those receivers, it's more about, you know, just getting enough yards to make it plausible for the play action game. And, and that's what they've done lately. So I think it, it, it's still good. The Kansas City defense, I think, is very good at stopping the run. Um, 
I would say, I, you know, the thing is, I don't think that they're going to sell out to, to stop the run. They're not going to put eight in the box. So I think Tampa is going to consistently see seven in the box. I, I mean, so that because of that, I would give it a push in terms of which unit has the advantage. I would agree with you. Knowing how Spagnuolo's defenses do things and, and how that, that system works, running backs, if, if Tampa chooses to run the ball, will get yeah. theirs. They will get yeah. theirs. That you'll yeah. look at it statistically and you'll say, holy crap. But it, it, but in the long run, yeah, it might get a lot of yards, but not a lot of anything else. Yeah. Uh, well, we got to talk about the man. You know, now we're at the quarterback position. Tom Brady, 10th Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, same. unbelievable. It, it, it really is unbelievable. And he's not playing an NFC East team, obviously. So chances are he's going to win the game, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you think about like when you and I grew up, there was, you know, for we, we we were born after the Pittsburgh Steelers run when they had four, but it was Terry Bradshaw went to four Super Bowls. And then it was Joe Montana went to four. You had Steve Young, Troy Aikman went to three. You had these greats. But what, I mean, if you had told one of us when we were 10 years old, there's going to be a guy that comes in the league and he's going to go, he's going to play in 10 Super Bowls. We would tell you that you were nuts. And it, it is really remarkable to see that he does this. Um, I, look, he, he is the GOAT. Um, you know, you, you can say what you want about him, some of his personal beliefs, some of his behavior. I mean, look, he hasn't broken any laws or anything like that. So, you know, he, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people are very jealous that he has a supermodel wife. I understand. God bless. Um, he really, he's just that great. And so I don't think that, you know, the moment's not going to be too big for him. But look, he's also come up small. I mean, he, he's lost three Super Bowls. So thank God for both of us. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, yes. But I will say with a but, the Giants. Who was their defense? Who who was their coach then? Who was Spagnolo there? The Spagnolo was the D coordinator for the first. The second one was Perry Fuel. Oh God, that guy. Um, <laughs> so I I look at it that way. I Tom Brady in Super Bowl Fifty Two did not come up small. He was just yeah. bulled by BDN. Was just Nick, yeah Nick Foles. And 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 sometimes just sometimes there is you know the football gods grace you with a run and nothing's yeah. going to stop you. Uh, the only game that I can really remember Brady coming up small was so that would have been Super Bowl. What was that? Forty two. Well, forty. I thought forty. Look, but even in forty two, he drove his team down and threw a touchdown of Randy Moss with a little over two minutes left. True. He did everything he was supposed to do. I mean, it, you know, he he didn't believe he he didn't anticipate a catch off a helmet. Right. That's a good point. That is a fair. So point. yeah, at, at this juncture, like. He's not Drew Brees, where you watch Drew Brees and you say, damn, the arm is done. He's done, right? He's done. Tom, oh, Brady, no. Tom Brady could basically make every throw. I mean, he's led the league in terms of downfield throws. Well, look, what, what I, I would take Patrick Mahomes' arm over Tom Brady's arm any day or Josh Allen's or a few other – Matthew Stafford, a few other players, Aaron Rodgers. But, look, no, Tom Brady's arm I think is basically what it was throughout his career, maybe a little less juice. But he look, and he said he's he wants to play till he's forty five, and I think he can do it. You know, he, he I there's not been it. that precipitous drop off. 
No, there has not been. And I, I don't anticipate it. It's going to be remarkable to watch this guy. He's a Hall of Famer playing in this game to see what happens. I mean, it's just – I'm not going to say – I think the quarterback position is a push between the two teams because if you're if you're matching them up, I think they're just different. I think you have an up and you you have the old lion and you know what old lion young lion you know that kind of thing. If we're gonna quote Rocky, no, kind of, we don't we don't quote Rocky Five. Why? It's it's fine. It's good. It's, it's you know, terrible. Another another show another day. It's just amazing to see what's gonna happen. I mean, you you have he's not even a wily old veteran. It's not like ah oh, last straw for the guy. I, I I don't know what to expect. I I expect Tom Brady. That's what I expect. Well, yeah, it is a great quarterback matchup because you have you you have Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, and you have a guy who, for at least a three year stretch, is as good as anybody, and may very well become and challenged to be the next great one. So that's why it's it's very interesting in that regard. Tom Brady versus the Tampa defense. Who are you going to give the edge to there? You mean the Kansas City defense? The Kansas City defense. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I Tampa too. I'm sure in practice it goes the same way. Yeah. Um, I'll go Tom Brady. I, I think that they're 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 hitting a stride right now. I, I agree with you. I can't go against them. We said Tom Brady Hall of Hall of Famer. Check out our Hall of Fame preview episode. It is out. It dropped on Thursday. Brett and I are discussing the and trying to break down our choices for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which will be announced on Saturday tomorrow. Uh, if you were listening to this on football Friday, yeah. before we wrap this up, I think we have to go to, we talked X factors, all that stuff, but we got to talk about coaching staff here. You got two staffs that are really, really good football minds, Kansas city, Andy Reed, Eric B Steve Spagnola and company, uh, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, the temple connection and Byron Leftwich for Tampa. Who do you give the edge to here? As a coaching, as a whole, uh, we don't have to break it down individually. Like, as a whole, who it's going to come down to this. It's a chess match. This, I think, is of any of the games of the past couple years, 10 years, this is coming down to coaching. Teams are so even, it's going to come down to what coach puts the teams in the best position. I, I think I, I, I'm i I'm very torn on this. I, I Because, and actually, it's, it's something as a fan, I, I actually really like all of these guys, right? Um, so I think you, you probably would just have to give the edge to Andy Reid uh, and that coaching staff simply because of the experience in a Super Bowl. And I mean, for and, you know, also think about Spagnolo with the Giants as well for that one year. So there's just that additional. You've been there. You don't have to worry about other distractions, things of that nature. Honestly, I couldn't. I'm that high on both coaching staffs. That's the only thing I could think of to separate them. Otherwise, I'd say a push. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I think you just have a year ago, two years ago, I would have said, if you would have asked me, I would have said Bruce Arians because I didn't have the faith in Andy Reid from experience to – not out Andy himself in certain times, right? I, I mean, we as an Eagles fan, we we saw it as an Eagles fan where Super Bowl thirty nine, yeah, Donovan threw up, but at the same time, it's like okay, 
you got to figure out what you're going to do. This Kansas City staff, you mentioned Spagnola going back to the Giants. Remember, he was on the Eagles staff too. Yeah. So when, when they made their runs and, and he was in Baltimore, you know, he, he was around a bunch of good franchises. That's not yeah. to say anything against, against Tampa, but I just think that as a whole, you're looking at a staff that's been there, done that. To them, it's just another week. I give them the edge as well. What do you think here? I think this is going to be an all-time great. Well, so there's a, there's one other thing that I would say is I am more confident in Harrison Bucker than oh, yeah, I am didn't. Ryan Suckup. Uh, that's a good point. We did not talk about – I apologize to the specialists out there. Uh, I – I, I would agree with you. I, I agree on that assessment that I think the Chiefs have the better kicking game at this point. Yeah. Um, even though it's in Tampa's home field, I don't even think that matters because I think Harrison Bucker is one of the better uh, kickers in the league. So it turns it come down to Harrison Bucker? I don't think so. Uh, so is it prediction time? It's prediction time. you got to lay it out on the line. All right, I'm going Kansas City 37, Tampa Bay 28. Wow, we're going to put up points, huh? Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to end up being less, but I, I just, in the end of the day, I just think that this machine, look, it's, when they spot teams nine points, 10 points, 24 points, and then they just come back like it's nothing. And these are against very good teams as well. Uh, you know, yes, that offensive line thing scares me, but you have your three most important pieces are, are generally healthy and ready to go. And I just don't – I still don't know how you stop them. I really do think it takes some kind of nuanced version of the Giants Super Bowl 25 defense – and I, I, I honestly think the only way to beat Kansas City is to allow Clyde Edwards-Alaire to run for 175 yards. And it's crazy to think that. And then hope that in the last three minutes of the game, you can make a few more plays than Kansas City. But, I, you know, that's risky. And I just – I can't go again. I, as good as Tom Brady is, he has lost Super Bowls. I can't go – I just can't pick against Patrick Mahomes right now. I would tend to agree with you. Now, I will say this, that I would not be shocked if Tom Brady wins another ring. But I have seen it for a better part of my life, what happens when Andy Reid has teams well-prepared and ready to go and clicking on all cylinders. Even with injuries on the line, I, I don't know that it's going to matter that much. I, I got a Kansas City 31, Tampa Bay 27, and it's not. I think it's a 31-20 kind of thing. They drive down the, the Tampa drives down, makes it a four point game, but it's not that close. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think you're going to see a lot of you're going to have quarterbacks out dueling each other, coaches trying to outsmart each other. And I will play into your theory. Eric Bieniemy gets a coaching job coming up shortly. Ah, yes. Uh, Kansas City wins the championship of the world. They win their second Super Bowl in a row. And maybe, just maybe, Andy Reid says, hey, I'm going to go have a cheeseburger and I'm going to step aside. Or or do you go for three, which nobody's done before? That is a good point. No one has done that. And I don't know. It's a good question. But we both yeah. got Kansas City winning this thing. 
Follow us on social media at GL Stand Show. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out the Hall of Fame breakdown. I'm Mike. That's Brett. Michael's Glass Company for Glass. Thrive Daily Fantasy for all your fantasy sports. We'll catch you later.